to the Career Medis podcast. I'm your host Nisar Ahmed. I'm the founder and the managing editor of the blog careermedis.com and this is episode 51 of the Career Medis podcast and uh, this episode is part of a day in the life of series of interviews. Uh, in each of these episodes I've, I've been conducting interviews with uh, individuals from a particular career or a particular profession so that we get insights into their particular job. Um, and for today's episode, I am speaking with uh, someone who's been an IT professional in the public sector for a long time. And our guest's name is Adam Poston. Adam will be sharing his experience, how he got started in this particular line of work, uh, where he stands today, some of the benefits, some of the challenges, and we'll learn more as we go on with the call. Uh, Adam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Nassar. I appreciate that very, very much. I'm honored to be on your podcast and, and quite flattered as well. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And you're welcome. Um, the question I always like to start off, uh, where are you calling from? I'm actually sitting in my uh, recording studio for our podcast down here in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Uh, so if uh, East Coast, Central Florida, if you know where Orlando is, we're about 35 to 40 minutes east of that right on the coast. Interesting. I have... Never been to Florida, always wanted to be. Um, I'm based in Toronto, uh, so we in Toronto and Canada have a special relationship with Florida where every winter we send uh, a, a lot of uh, the seniors here, uh, they, we call them snowbirds, they <laughs> migrate to Florida. I'm sure you might have come across them. Oh, oh yeah. We we get them down here quite often. In fact, uh, you know, there's two times of year we're driving on some of these roads down here is difficult. That's spring break. Because all the the teenagers or high uh, like high school teen uh, high school spring breaks and college spring breaks seem to like the east coast of Florida, uh, and of course the winter when the snowbirds are down here, it's it's two different driving patterns you got to get used to in this part of the world. That's for sure. So a question I have I, I have spoken to someone from another city in Florida, but not necessarily Cocoa Beach. Can you share something like a fun fact or something? about Cocoa Beach that most people would not know unless they have lived there? Uh, sure. So everyone knows that the, the space program, Kennedy Space Center, is is here in our hometown, here in Brevard County, Florida. Uh, Cocoa Beach is the, uh, I guess you would call it the vacation beach that's right beside Kennedy Space Center. So if a visitor wants to come to Cocoa Beach, one of the amenities that they could have would be to go up to the visitor center up at the Space Center and you know, see uh, all the exhibits and maybe if they time it right, actually see a launch happen out at uh, out at the Space Center. So, you know, that's that's probably one of our biggest draws. We're also the closest beach to Orlando and Orlando, everyone knows it's the number one destination in the world for tourism. So if you combine the if somebody wants the entire Florida experience, they want the beach and Orlando and, you know, space program, Cocoa Beach is probably their best destination to hit because it, you know, it's so close to everything in the area. That is uh, actually that's an interesting segue because I know you have some experience working in the public sector there. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. So um, could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your experience in IT in the public sector? Sure, absolutely. 
So I began my IT career uh, in retail. This was years and years and years ago, somewhere around 99, 2000, somewhere in there. I used to work for a little company called Gateway Computers. And they had retail stores pop up all over the place to sell, you know, small businesses or homes, um, laptops, desktops, whatever. Here, that transitioned for me into, you know, always wanting to grow my career and slowly moved me towards you know, government contracting. I got a job with a, a small, like a, a Soho type business, small office, home office type business, uh, selling computers to government contracts. So I moved up a little bit in that first progression. Well, I did so well there that I landed my very, very first government IT contracting job in 2002. And that was for the U.S. Department of State Bureau for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement. So from there, it's just moved on and on and on. Um, I don't know where you want me to go jump into all the different career paths, but that's what started me in IT is just doing retail, having a love for computers, and then just progressing my career to the next logical step through, you know, better jobs and better jobs and better jobs. So it was just the hunt. That's what, what really made me do it is because I wanted to do more in this industry. No, that's, that's very interesting. Um, so since 2002, you've always, uh, you mentioned that you've moved around in different capacity with different uh, government agencies. Uh, is that correct? Uh, yeah. So uh, 2002 started the Department of State Bureau for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement. And this is your typical contract that you would imagine would uh, take you to places like Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, where they had spray missions, where they would spray the cocaine fields with uh, with whatever pesticide they had at the time to be able to kill the coca crop. Well, the the actual mission of that had to have a back end support. And that's where my professional uh, side of the house came in. So doing satellite setups, server setups in the field, deployment kits to take out to, you know, these these jungle locations for uh, for supporting those missions. Uh, that's where that job came in. When I first started, I was help desk. That was your very entry level. And for anybody looking to get into IT, that's where you want to start. There's usually no, maybe a certification that's required, but that's a weekend's worth of studying can get you. Um, that's your first step into the IT realm. Usually, help desk jobs pay for minimum wage up to about maybe $15 an hour, depending on where you're going to, you know, luck into, uh, luck into a, a, a location to work. Um, and that's where I started. I started as help desk uh, on that contract and I wouldn't say too terribly quickly. It probably took me about two years of studying to get certifications and some experience to where I could move up working into servers and, you know, understanding how the network stacks work and how, how all of the behind the scenes stuff work for it. Uh, shortly, shortly after I got my first, uh, MCSE, that's Microsoft certified systems engineer that did take some time and take some Take some studying to get. Uh, I moved into a server role for that that job, and that's what ended up taking me to. Uh, I lived a full year in Bogota, Colombia, and Bogota is it's a beautiful city. Um, it's a 10 million person city, so it's it's equivalent with like your Chicago's or New York's as, as far as capacity of of uh, people that are in the city. Uh, and that job took me from Bogota. Every couple of weeks, I would go out to a field location, Kumaribo. Uh, Tamako, Cali, different different locations around the country of Colombia to do these deployments. And I would literally take, you know, four uh, giant uh, mobile cases that had servers, that had components of our satellite dishes, that had, uh, you know, line conditioners for power because you're never going to get good power out in the, the jungles off of generators. So you need some kind of conditioner. I would take all of that equipment out to to these locations, stand it up, 
get the network online for our uh, you know pilots or crew chiefs or maintenance or or management staff in the field so they could all communicate back to you know headquarters for for that contract and I had a blast that was a lot of fun that that same job uh, State Department as you know isn't just about you know anti narcotics they also do other things around the world that job also took me to uh, Iraq for two years. Um, I did a couple little stays, like a couple months in Afghanistan, a couple months in Peru, places like that where State Department has a presence. But Iraq was the big one. Iraq, well, you know the you know the history as well as everybody else about uh, the war in Iraq, and then State Department was there to help you know re re uh, rebuild the country and rebuild the infrastructure. So what I was over there to support at that point was the the search and rescue type operations that transitioned away from military and moved them into the uh, private sector. And I did work for a private company at the time. Th- that contract was a lot of fun, but it was also probably the, the scariest contracts I've ever worked. Working in Basra down in the south of Iraq, doing the same work, by the way, standing up satellite dishes, standing up little server rooms, those types of things is, you know, generally what my my job was in the field. And uh, working down in Basra was often very, very scary. That's uh, not the, the most friendly place in the world, sitting sitting down there that close to those two different borders. Uh, but I, I also experienced a lot in Baghdad. And then the majority of the time I was there, I was in a little town called Erbil, which is in the northern part of Iraq in a place called Kurdistan, in a, in a region called Kurdistan. That was far more friendly and far more of a hospitable environment than other places in Iraq. But uh, it was it was certainly an experience because the culture there is just different than the cultures down further south. The, the further you the closer you get to combat down in the south, it was a little bit more tense. Up in the north, it wasn't quite nearly as bad. Still some some dangerous situations, but it was not that bad. And again, my same job carried through there. I was doing server room stand-ups, meaning setting up your server, setting up your domain controller, setting up your satellite equipment, everything to connect back and make an actual connection to, you know, the headquarters network. And uh, I, I learned enough on that job uh, to to bring home that experience back to the States when I was done, I did 10 years with State Department. So again, it took me everywhere. I got enough behind my belt and enough experience and enough certifications. And these are, again, IT certifications are, you know, as sometimes way heavier than degrees. So I, by the way, I have no degree. I mean, I've got an AA, but I, I don't I don't have an actual bachelor's or anything past, you know, a, a standard AA degree. And that those that experience and those certifications are what led me to land a job at the United States Central Command out in Tampa. Um, I was back in 2010 or no 2012 from uh, from Iraq, and uh, I submitted an application with a company, a contractor over at CENTCOM, and uh, got picked up and interviewed and came on board. They initially hired me on as a, uh, syst- a senior systems administrator which means I was just working with the same type of equipment that I'm used to. Windows, at the time, Windows 2012, and, you know, very, very typical uh, IT, PC-based IT industry standard stuff. Uh, it was about two months into that job that uh, they offered me the position of the server team, uh, server operations manager. So uh, I moved into a position where I had 30 to 35 people, depending on the time of year, underneath me. Uh, and it was, that was one of the most rewarding jobs I've ever had because of the size of team and the professionalism that I had on the team. I did learn something interesting though, even though the money got a lot better with management, uh, I moved out of doing the actual work and more of being a, uh, 
just an organizer. It felt like all the guys and girls that worked for me had such great ability to manage what they were doing. They almost didn't need management. It was, it was really interesting. I was almost like a placeholder there for a while. The people I had were fantastic. Uh, and it was good because it was a, such a rewarding job, but it put me more in a political light. I was now, you know, talking budgets and talking, training efforts for the staff and for things like that, which was great. Don't get me wrong. Very rewarding. However, I still like to be in the nuts and bolts working on servers. That's what brings me pleasure to see that immediate return on, on the hard work that you put in it. You see your, your work right in front of you as opposed to longer term objectives for, for management. So, uh, I held that job for a couple of years. It was a blast. Uh, and then I got an offer at, my personal. So I've lived in Florida before I get to this point. I moved. I, I've lived in Florida the majority of my life other than going to, uh, you know, Iraq, uh, Colombia, those different locations. Florida has always been home. And I was I think I was in second grade when I saw the Challenger explode in person. Uh, we all of our, our kids in the school and our teacher came out to watch it because it had a a, uh, a teacher that was going up into space. And we came out to watch it, and sure enough, it exploded. None of us really knew what was going on until we got home, and our, our parents explained it to us, and uh, we understood. But I've been fascinated with the space program my entire life. And one of my career goals that I've had is to have a job working for NASA, working in Kennedy Space Center at NASA, at its headquarters here. And sure enough, uh, a position opened up. I applied for it, went through the gambit of interviews, and again, this is a this is a prestigious job. I hold it in very high rankings in my career. Uh, I'm a system administrator there. I'm not like a manager or anything like that. Just a standard tech kind of guy. But because of where it is and because of the contract it supports, to me, it was one of the you know the proudest moments of my life to be able to say I now have a job working for the space program and progressing us towards you know our future with space. I've been doing that job for about two and a half years now, and I absolutely love it. It is. It is by far one of the most rewarding jobs that I've ever had. Uh, and it's, you know, I've got great coworkers, obviously that that's important, but uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. I'm working, you know, in tons of servers that I've never really had the experience to work in before mixing in some Linux experience, a uh, different operating system for listeners who may not know what Linux is. And uh, it's, it's great. I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. It's an interesting thing to see is when you're, you know, you, you're working and you go outside on your lunch break and, well, there goes a SpaceX rocket. You know, it's it's just a, a really, really cool feeling to to be here. And I'm super proud of that job. First of all, congratulations. Uh, that's that's a great milestone. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm I'm honored to be there. I'm humbled, really. I'm looking around and there's, you know, people that are way more professional than me, at least how I how I view it. And uh, it's fun. It is. It is a lot of fun. Uh, and. It's, I would have to say it's not every day. I, I live in Toronto, so it's not every day I come across or get to meet someone who works for NASA. So it is exciting for me. And any, anyone growing up, we've all watched the rocket launches. Even now, it's almost every month you have a SpaceX news. So it's it's an exciting time. And I, I can imagine the excitement being part of everything uh, that is happening down there. The question I have before I get into a few more personal questions about the in, intricate details about the job, sure. how, how you have a, you have worked for a private company, you've also worked for the government. What is the difference? Like, what what would you say would be the uh, differences? IT is the same, right? Servers are the same, the the hardware, software, but what would you say are the things that are different? 
between working for government contractors and private sector? Uh, working for a, pub, a government organization that's such as uh, CENCOM or NASA versus working in a private company. Okay, yeah, understood. Uh, there's a lot more focus in, in government contracts on uh, security. And I, I, I use that term loosely. It's not, you know, physical security. It's more on um, ensuring that the networks that we support are at the absolute latest, you know, iteration of whatever uh, patch is needed or, you know, fix or tweak or what have you is needed uh, to maintain security from outside intrusion as well as from inside, you know, man in the middle type attacks. That's far, far more focused in any of the government contracts. So I've been across DOD, uh, DOS, and now NASA, and all three share the exact same feel is the, the, the focus is on security over operation. Security is, is ensuring that those servers, like I say, are patched and up to date and, you know, are, are not vulnerable to the latest hacks or attacks or things like that, that, that are known and, and are out there. Uh, in the private or non, non-government contracting sector, uh, it's usually always operation over security. So if if it takes, you know, 25 man hours of labor to secure a system in the non-government sector, it might be less important to keeping the operations up and running if it only takes a few less man hours. So the amount of time that is invested in security is probably the forefront of all government contracting. So if you're looking to go into a career with IT and government contracting, you want to know what CATS actions are. You want to know the, the, the how to remedy multiple machines across a network fast using tools like, um, uh, WSUS or SCCM or any, any of the, this industry standard platforms for pushing patches across an entire domain to ensure those machines are good. That, that's the easiest difference between the two. Fair enough. And thanks for breaking that down. So the next question I have, what does the day-to-day look like for someone in your position? Okay, understood. It's, it's not a whole lot different from your entry-level help desk uh, type work. So everything is driven uh, in government contracting by, at least in my type of position, in a system administrator role. And my role is mostly, again, on, on servers and on applications that run on those servers. It's very built around ticketing systems. So tickets come in from users that have issues, like they'll report it through a help desk type of location. The ticket will then route up once they've determined who needs to work on it, it'll route up to our, our team. And then each each person on our team has a little bit of a speciality. My specialities on our team are IIS. That's a .NET infrastructure for hosting um, sites and applications inside Windows servers, uh, SharePoint, and then some things like uh, some one-off applications, like a file cloud application or or what have you. Uh, so I receive the tickets, I uh, do the research and uh, put in the work, and then resolve the tickets with customer concurrence. So it's it's very very similar to your standard run-of-the-mill help desk. It's just now up to another level of of technical speciality that you have to have. That's the majority of our time. There's a little bit of time also put in every week on. Uh, implementing uh, uh, or putting work towards implementing new improvements to the environment. So if we needed to research, I don't know, a uh, trying to think of some crazy example of something we've done recently. I guess the file cloud initiative was probably the biggest one I've done recently. So there needed to be uh, a industry uh, NASA 
agency industry sh- uh, file sharing application that was secure, was uh, um, uh, encrypted uh, throughout the entire path of the packets. And we put a lot of work and effort into researching, checking out all the different vendors and applications. Think of FileCloud as like a Dropbox, but for government contracts, that's what this is. And uh, so a lot of my work during that research time went into testing in a lab environment to see how the packets are transferred, to make sure databases are encrypted, the whole nine yards. And then when it came to deployment time, we had a, a deployment rollout for for this application and then pushing it out to the workstation. So most of your time, again, in my job is spent doing ticket resolution, handling uh, issues at a technical level, and then uh, getting concurrence out of customers that the issues have been resolved. The other probably 25% of the time is developing new things to to implement into the environment to satisfy customer needs because there's always a need that that is going to be met with the work that you're doing in, in IT, especially for government contracting. Okay. So, Adam, of all the things that you do on a day-to-day basis or in general, what do you enjoy the most um, in terms of tasks or the role itself? It's going to sound cheesy, but... I'm what I enjoy the most about my position is is the um, is the pride that I take in the contract that I work for. So with NASA, it's it's very easy because I'm a I'm a huge fan of the space program. I love the fact that that our current um, president has given so much more in way of budget to NASA and to the contracts that support the space program that it's you know, it's it warms my heart to see that happening and to see that move starting to go back to how it used to be in the you know, 70s, where the push was really, really, really hard for getting us as the leader in the world for space. And quite frankly, we're, you know, now that SpaceX and Blue Origin and some of these other companies are starting to emerge and starting to have such milestones, we are that again. We, for a long time, you know, at least for the past eight years or so, we have not been the leader in the world in space. And now we're starting to take those reins back, and I'm proud to see that happen. So my my, what I'm the most proud of is probably the contract that I work for because it's it's to me it's one of the most important movements in the progression of our society is to get us you know more scientifically involved in space and and exploring. That's that's an incredibly important to me. That that is exciting. I mean, it's not only for the people working there, for anyone listening as well, even myself. There's a lot of advancements happening right recently. In the last two years, I think a lot of things have happened. So it's, it sounds like an exciting time to be there. Um, yeah, I concur. It's it's a blast. Not not no pun intended. <laughs> I was going to say no pun intended. <laughs> that is that is that is very timely. Uh, what I've found out, Adam, is when I've spoken to individuals um, from different careers, uh, they enjoy certain aspects of the, of the job. There are some challenges. Um, so for some, like what do you what would you say would be some of the things that are challenging? Or things that you don't necessarily enjoy about the role. Uh, with an operation mind in, you know, my back pocket, I, I, I've always been in, at the side of get the mission working as as a forefront. Some of the obstacles in government contracting are always, like I was saying earlier, going back to this, is the security requirements that are really weigh, weighed heavier than the operations functionality. So that's always difficult for us because not every patch or every you know security initiative that comes out is easy. Uh, a lot of times we'll spend multiple days researching how to implement to maintain operation in our environment. And it's it sometimes is very, very difficult. Um, also, the learning curve with I.T. is is interesting. So 
as an IT uh, professional, be it public sector or government contracting or wherever you happen to land, you're a career student. So you always have to learn uh, every couple of years. There's new things that come out that you have to maintain your certifications on or your training on or your, you know, you got to put in the hours. And that becomes problematic down the road because you've just learned, like, for example, uh, I've got an MCSE uh, from several years ago that really doesn't work with the servers that are industry standard now. Granted, it's still an MCSE and I've got that forever, but I need to go back and retake more tests to get my updated certifications to show my value inside a contracting world like this. So that's that's probably one of the biggest hurdles is when you choose a career in IT, you are going to be a career student at the same time. So once you get past that hurdle and you know that some of your off time, some of your non-paid time is going to be your nose is still going to be in these Microsoft books or Linux books or any of these things. You, you, once you get past that, then you're fine. Then you you know that you've accepted it. That becomes your norm for the next, you know, 10, 20 years, however long you want to stay in the IT field. Okay. So now that's you mentioned some key points and I want to expand on that. So you mentioned career student. That's a So someone listening to this and they're excited to get into IT. Uh, what recommendations would you give to them? How does one go about becoming an IT professional? That's a fantastic question. And I'm probably the best example of this. So I did not get, like I was saying earlier, I do not have my degree in IT. I simply have now experience. But when I first started, just that first certification is all that you need to get in. Um, Microsoft has, and they're relatively inexpensive. And this isn't a plug for Microsoft or anything, but this is this, this is the industry norm. Microsoft has an entry level certification test called MCP, Microsoft Certified Professional. And you can take it in any realm of things. It can be in uh, desktop, like you, if you have a Windows 10 computer at your house, they have a test for that. So you can show that you're capable of managing a Windows, you know, workstation, a Microsoft Windows 10 workstation or whatever it is at the time. So getting that initial certification shows to uh, shows either me as a hiring manager or shows that potential employer that you're going to work for that you have at least enough dedication to take the first step in your career path. So knocking out that first certification might be a little bit intimidating, but it's really not that hard. There's a ton of study materials and source materials out there for, you know, for people who are interested in becoming an IT professional to go out and get. That would be for sure step number one. Um, step number two is, is, uh, is I, don't, I don't remember, uh, Sorbanes and Oxley and, and uh, I can't remember the names of the, the other certification tracks that are out there, but there are uh, certification tracks that build process into the mind of the student that's taking those, those courses and that coursework. Six Sigma is a, is a good example of, of accreditation and certification standards. This is your next level after you've already got your baseline IT certification. You want to go and get something like a Six Sigma type of certification. These are a little bit more, um, a little bit more expensive. The, the course test work for them is like about $150. Microsoft used to be $125. They might have come up to $150 as well. Those certifications, that coursework, what it's teaching you is how to organize your work into an industry standard fashion. So it teaches you how to have standard baseline SOPs, which are standard operating procedures, teaches you how to move through a change request process. What that means is if let's say you're my customer and you tell me that you want this done in your production environment 
and it is implementing some new piece of software. Well, there's an entire process that government contracting wants to see happen for that to be accepted and then implemented. And that entire process, that change request process is taught to you by somebody like uh, the, the Six Sigma type program. There's a ton of them out there. Um, Six Sigma is probably one of the better ones. Getting into the IT field, it's some, it sounds intimidating for some people. It's really not that bad. If you're good with computers, even if you're good with you know organizing your own machine at home, I mean, that's all that it really takes, and it shows that you have drive and initiative to want to improve that, you can get into IT. It's not that bad. And IT is, by the way, the, especially on the security side, is one of the largest growing positions uh, in in the U.S., both with government contracting and private sector. That stuff is is it's gold and it usually pays pretty well. Thanks for uh, getting giving an in-depth answer that it is good to know the different levels of certifications. Um, a question I'm, I have and I'm sure others have is what about a degree? You talked a lot about certifications. How important is an, a degree to get started? Degrees and certifications in IT go hand in hand. And I've done this in the past. I've hired somebody with a you know couple certifications under their belt over a couple relevant certifications under their belt over somebody who has a full bachelor's degree in IT for for a position because it really it really depends on um, the relative certification or degree to the content that you're being hired for. So if you've got a IT degree from 1988, well, that shows me that you're smart enough to go to school and be able to maintain structure. It doesn't show me that you know what current industry standard software is today. It, it just shows me that you've got that initiative. So somebody with a degree from 1988 might not hold up to somebody with five or six certifications that are relevant and needed in today's environment. So unless there's some sort of metric that your that your contract has to hit for hiring uh, for hiring people with degrees, uh, the certifications to me are always going to hold more water than any any single degree. Uh, unless it's, of course, uh, you know, post-college, so master's, doctor, that kind of stuff. That's a little different. But um, the uh, the industry standards or are, are degrees are not quite as valuable as certifications. Okay. Um, once someone has got started, they take they take uh, they're taking certifications. They're improving themselves. What does an ideal career path look like for someone uh, in your profession? That's a, that's an interesting uh, fork in the road. Um, when you first start, and I recommend everyone starting at the help desk level because that, that gets you the upfront and the customer's face point of view. Uh, that's why I re- recommend everybody starting because that gets your foot in the door as well. And it's a relatively easy job to get. And usually people don't hold those positions for more than about two years. They'll either know that they love it and want to progress into those forks in the roads or they'll know IT is not for me. I'm going to go, you know, chase my passion. So for IT, if you if you pass that first you know couple of years of help desk style work, you've got a big selection to choose. So I chose an operations route. I chose the path of I want to be maintaining the servers and the environment for the customers to be able to use the products in the environment. So that means I'm working physically with server attached network storage devices, SANs. I'm working physically with uh, VMware products. So for all of our servers that are hosted in a virtual cloud somewhere, I'm working directly with that kind of stuff and making sure it works well. Um, the other path that's the, the first easy path to take is operations or security. Security side of the house is 
you know, if, if you like that and that interests you, you're auditing machines, you're finding problems, you're finding vulnerabilities, and then you're telling the operation side of the house, that's what I am, okay, here's how you go fix that. You need to take these servers or, or these applications and bring them up to industry standards so they're not vulnerable anymore. Now, there's a third path, and this takes a certain focused mind. You, we really have to have a mind for this, and that's the development or the coding side of the house. So let's say you're good with code. You, you enjoy working in, in code. You may be better apt at that point to go down the path of being a developer or being you know, somebody who tears apart code to find bugs or to find problems. Th- those, I respect the hell out of those guys and, and girls. They're unbelievable in what they do, but I could never do it. That's, all of that intricate little code is just not my wheelhouse and I knew that when I first started seeing code and first started learning a little bit about programming, I'm like, no, no, that's not, that one's not for me. But that's, that's your third option. Um, again, if you like it, those often pay more than system administrators or, you know, on either side of the house, on operations or on security. The developers sometimes get a lot better paychecks, but uh, it takes a certain type of mind. Okay, so the, the, we have, uh, we are coming to the final uh, phase of the interview here, and I, we have it's amazing listening to your story and your answers are amazing. There's a lot of insights there. Before well, we you. wrap up, Adam, um, any last words, anything that you would like to add to uh, the listeners um, if they wanted to get into this profession? Uh, sure. Don't be afraid to go out and, and you know try to knock out that first certification test all on your own. Before you even go and look for jobs or careers in your area, that that are available, go out and take a look at the certification tracks that Microsoft offers, that CompTIA offers, that uh, uh, Cisco offers. Um, there's there's tons of different directions that that you can go with certifications and and getting your foot in the door. That first certification that you hold in your hand is literally a key to a lot bigger kingdom. Because as soon as you get your foot in the door with that certification, be have no have just a high school diploma. That's fine. Once you have that cert, that opens up those doors to you completely wide open. Uh, it, it, but you have to be disciplined and understand you're going to continue studying for the rest of your life. But it's worth it. If you like IT, if you enjoy that career field, if you enjoy tinkering with computers at home, if you know how to tear apart you know, your desktop tower and put it back together, those types of things are really valuable skills to have. And don't think that you don't have enough experience to get into a job, especially in government contracting. It's not necessarily that hard to, to do it and to get in. Wonderful. Adam, thanks. That's a great wrap up. And um, at, so far, the interview has been amazing. There's a lot of great insights shared. Uh, it was great having you as a guest on the podcast. Certainly. I'm honored and again, flattered that you would uh, you would consider me for it. Thank you very, very much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. You're welcome. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Career Medis Podcast. Uh, I have written a brief summary of the interview uh, as part of a blog post on the website. Um, if you enjoyed this particular episode and also learned something new, uh, feel free to post a comment or a review. And if you really loved it, definitely go ahead and share this episode among your network. Until next time, this is Nisar Ahmad, your host for the Career Medis Podcast. Thank you.